Listener, about two weeks ago, I knocked a bowl off my kitchen counter onto the floor where it shattered. I swore a little and then set about sweeping up the pieces and safely disposing of them to prevent future injuries. About a week ago, I saw something in the bedroom, stark white against the rug. It was a piece of porcelain, a jagged little blade about the size of a fingernail. I have no idea how it got there. When things break, there is no telling where the pieces will end up. Welcome to Sword of Symphonies. I'm your host, your king, your clumsy oaf, it is me, Cat. Hi, Cat. Hi, Kirsten. Hello. <laughs> With me today, we have, in order of appearance, Kirsten. Hello! Nick. Try blood loss. <laughs> and Kathleen is here as well. I'm here, and are you still clumsy if it's metaphorically? No, it's a, it's an absolutely true story. I, I did break it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow, I'm glad I didn't lacerate myself on this. And I didn't, listener. I didn't. <laughs> but I could have, but I didn't. Very good and important. Very good and important. Indeed. Previously on Sword of Symphonies, the party encountered a horror in the fossilized riverbed. A flash flood. At least that's what my notes say. And dispatched it. And spent the rest of the night uneasy. And grappling with things maybe a little too large to be grappled with. At least not on your own, in the dark, underground. And in the morning, those of us who slept woke up. Those of us who did not sleep remained unsleeping. And it came time to discuss what we were going to do next. And the consensus seemed to be that we needed to continue into the mountains, or rather that Tissa needed to continue into the mountains to see what was there. To see what had been there all along, listener. And so I believe we are standing in the light of a new day as it filters through the roof of this little cavern from the surface, from the desert, and begins to warm up the limestone where it has become deathly cold. So what's our plan? Cobb gives them a polite and warm look. I think that we're going to go to the mountains. Mm-hmm. To the mountain it is, then. Penelope says as she's throwing a bag over her shoulders. She's in the middle of packing up some of the, the tents and things. Cobb rubs at his eyes a little bit. Sure about that? Tissa looks at Gideon one more time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm with you. And Cobb stands up and dusts himself off a little bit and straightens all of his accoutrement. Lead the way, Tissa. We're right behind. Let's be safe. Tissa's going to use understanding navigation. Yeah. That looks like three successes and a handful of threes and fours. Mm. 
we're moving efficiently. We're remaining under the ground, yes? Mm-hmm. All right. The cavern is wide. It is broad and it is tall. And it's not that difficult, given what you were told, that the mountains were in that direction. And as you follow, you can feel an upward slope to the cavern. Not much of one, matter of a few degrees at first. But you come across something after, goodness, hours of walking, hours of walking, virtually an entire day. If you could see the sunlight, you would be seeing it set when you reach the other end of this passage. Not the end, and the cavern continues on feels like it continues into infinity like a good powerful river ought to but Tessa you notice that as this cavern elevates it shrinks slightly not enough that you need to be concerned but it narrows and raises and narrows and raises and you spot something off to the side that I'm not sure anyone else does in the darkness. You spot what looks like a set of stairs, roughly cut into the limestone, leading upward. Big guy, could you shine the light over here? Oh, certainly. And Cobb holds up the lantern and points it over, uh, following Tissa's hand. These are steep stairs. They look like they were made for people like seven, eight feet tall. They won't be easy to take. They're cut right into the limestone, leading upward. Jeez, these are a bit big, even for me. How long do you think these have been here? That's a very good question. How would you even... Hmm. How, like, sharp are the stairs? Hmm. They have had tracks worn into them. Well, they're... They're not new, but, I mean, this underground tunnel has probably been here for a very long time, so... And it's dry, and there's no wind, and so... Who knows? Sots, how are you doing? I'm... I'm, uh... I'm fine. I'm okay. I'm, uh... I'm okay. Hmm. And he is looking really tired. <laughs> like he's he's dragging. Penelope's going to roll uh, adaptability athletics to perhaps like create chain of people like we kind of like help each person up the next and the next kind of thing. Oh. And we kind of go almost like a climbing thing. <laughs> yeah. Are we going up the stairs? Oh yeah, I guess that's it. <laughs> that that is the question. I should <laughs> Is, um, we want to go up. It seems like we're supposed to go up. It does very much seem that way. Well, I suppose if we're not and we go up there, at least we can set up camp outside of all of this, so. Yeah. I'd feel better if we went up. Gideon is nodding silently, still paler than usual. Still quiet. 
All right, Penelope, give me a hand. Let's get everybody up. All right. They start setting up a chain. <laughs> One success, two edge successes. What's a good edge success condition here? The party will be spotted. Hmm. Okay, this may be a weird question, but... Oh, no, I can't. I was going to say, is there, like, to see if I notice anybody? But I can't. Yeah. No, I got to just figure out if I take the... Uh... How careful are we being, everybody? Are we being relatively quiet and careful? I think that we've been quiet, but I think it's not because we're being careful aside from the fact that we're generally traveling cautiously. I think it's just we've been quiet because this has been kind of a hard couple of days. Mm. Okay. So, yeah, I don't think since there hasn't really been like a need of stealth, uh, I think Penelope is just concentrating on helping everybody make it up the stairs. So I don't think she's trying to be stealthy. So, yeah, I guess the edge success um, thing will happen. Okay. Neat. So, one by one, with the help of Cobb and Penelope, and really, you can make these steps if you're willing to take very big steps. Um, Gideon has to climb a little, so does Sot. Tissa might as well. But Cobb can step up them if he's willing to stretch himself. And one by one, you make it up the steps. Well, they're long steps, is the thing. By make it up the steps, I don't mean to imply that you've reached the top, only that you've made significant progress and that you're slowly leaving the riverbed behind. The limestone is the same limestone as the riverbed below. That is to say, it is covered in imprints of lifelong lost. Little swirls of shells and imprints of leaves. You can even see great, large, dark shapes that don't emerge fully from the stone. And you may wonder what it looks like. I don't get to tell you what you wonder. That's not my job. But you might. This is a bright place. The limestone is vaguely reflective and Cobb's lantern casts light in every direction to close walls. Gideon seems none too happy to be somewhere a little more confined, but she is encouraged by the fact that we are moving upward. And one by one, you come to realize that you are still moving upward. And you're still moving upward. And Tissa, Tissa realizes that you're much further up than if you were just going up to the desert. If you were in the desert, you would have broken the surface by now. And yet you are still enclosed. And I have a favor to ask of all of you. Mm-hmm. Discovery rolls? Ooh. Okay. I think Hop is going to make a sensitivity discovery roll. Hmm. He's looking out for everyone. Something wonderful. Penelope is going to make a daring. Daring. You know. Keep everybody's footing okay. See what the 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 route, the making sure the route is safe. Yeah. And I think Tissa, feeling like we're in the heart of something, is going to roll understanding for something relevant. 
All right. I love all of this. Cobb got one success. I got one edge success. <laughs> and Tissa right. got two successes. So Cobb, as you cast your eyes around you, your lantern light hits something unexpected in the wall. With a sensitivity roll, you find something wonderful. And what you see is the imprint of a broad leaf, clear and perfect. It's the size of your head. It's enormous. And some chemical process has turned the veins of this leaf into some shining rainbow iridescent material. It looks like it's made of frost or starlight or something else completely ephemeral, somehow trapped in the limestone. As you look around, you see that actually the fossils in this area have all undergone this strange transformation. The shells are shining. There is what looks like the skull of some kind of bony fish. Looks like polished opal in the light. Wow, we're really going to have to tell Clara about this place next time we see her. Hmm. I, she would know how old these stairs are, I think. If anyone would. Hmm. Does seem like the kind of thing she would know. Penelope. Mm-hmm. I think that you've got an edge success. So I'm not going to be particularly clear with you. This is a discovery role, so I don't really feel like doing a devil's bargain per se. Okay. So who's the tallest person Penelope's ever met? Oh, um, once there was a traveler that came through not too much before Penelope went off on her own travels. And he's kind of what inspired her to actually go out because he came into town and he was different from anyone she'd ever met before. He rode very sturdy horse, like a Clydesdale, and his legs were like tree trucks. He was the largest man she had ever seen. And he told some stories to the kids of his adventures. And that's the tallest person Penelope has ever met. And Penelope, you can't imagine him taking these stairs comfortably either. Oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. I think Penelope kind of like, as people are working their way up the stairs, she sort of leans for a bit and takes a breath. Whew. I don't, I, I don't know who these were built for, but definitely seems not anyone I could imagine could take these comfortably. Were they intentionally built to be a, a hard climb? Maybe it was uh, for artistic or religious reasons. Or maybe it's a way to keep people from using them? I don't know. Huh. Or maybe, and I'm not in charge of whether or not Penelope thinks this, but I am in charge of whether or not Tissa thinks it, at least right now. <laughs> Perhaps it wasn't human. Took the words right out of my mouth. Perhaps these stairs weren't built for people. And I have to check some things in my notes. Listener, I'm opening some old notes in response to Tissa's two successes. 
you see a light ahead of you. Up the stairs. You see two lights, actually. One of them, the reddish light of fading day. And the other, the reflection of the reddish light of fading day off some shining golden surface. Golden? Yeah. (sighs) Tissa bites her lip, not that anyone can see her biting her lip, but I'm sure it shows up somewhere else in her posture and rolls sensitivity spirits. Yeah. Oh, dear. (laughs) Oh, dear? Yeah. It's two fours, two threes, and an edge success. (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) Oh, dear. Oh, dear. I've already bargained away whether or not you will be noticed. That is a deal that has been made for you. Let's do a fun little retcon. It's not a retcon because we haven't established a little piece of continuity. There's an important detail about the people in this scene that can go well for the party or poorly for the party. If you keep the edge success, it won't go great. So the one that I'm thinking of, I'm I'm sure there are a couple of continuity things that have been going on. But mm-hmm. um, I've already felt guilty for imperiling a character, so I don't think I want to risk Sot getting kidnapped because he still has the pebble on him. <laughs> Listener, that is the sound of me being caught. <laughs> wow, Kathleen. <laughs> Kathleen, how do you know Cat's mind? <laughs> you, you can't pull things over on Kathleen. <gasps> oh, you can't. You absolutely can't. I just don't think that I can do it. <laughs> That's exactly my proposal, Kathleen. <laughs> <sighs> Is it possible for Penelope to roll Understanding Humanity to see if she notices Tissa's, um, like, her change oh, no. in, in behavior. Pardon? Well, first we need to determine what Tissa knows, which means first we need to resolve this role. Yeah. Um, I think that I'm going to have to push Tissa into no further edge successes land by using a point of perfection. Okay. Then yes, you see a golden mask that is regarding the party from the top of the stairs. And then as you approach, turns toward the light and runs. As you get closer, you can also see banners of gold colored cloth waving near the entrance to these stairs. It's the emperor, not him, but No, we knew he was in the mountains. (sighs) Okay. It's not much further up, but careful. Mm. Gideon nods and draws her sword, although she needs her other hand free to climb these stairs. 
saw it stay behind me. Uh, I can. What's what's going on? Our luck has decided to continue to hold. Sounds about right. Penelope fingers her bow nervously. Well, what's the play, Tissa? Up or down? I don't think we have what he wants. So I think we we need to go up. What does he want? He wants Chuka. Cobb looks at Sot. I, uh... It, did you bring it? D- uh, no, Captain. It's, uh, in the safe. <sighs> I am very relieved to hear that. Okay. Penelope gives Sot, like, a... a nod, like... <laughs> smart. <laughs> And Tissa sort of looks a little nonplussed. Oh, yeah, you don't... Uh, never mind. Well, if that's what he's collecting and we don't have it with us, then hopefully he's not interested. But let's be on our guard just in case. It's not much further. It's not. Only about a dozen more steps. But now you can all see it too the fading light of day. And you can smell it. The air of the mountains. They're not massive, jagged mountains like the cloud comb used to be. Although they were once. I mentioned that in a previous intro. But time has a way of rounding off all of our jagged edges. And these mountains are low now peaks not quite tall enough to collect snow and ice like the last tooth does step by step you make it to the entrance the exit the threshold between underground and the desert and you see that it is adorned with a curtain of gold banners they're flapping wildly in a vicious wind now that you're At the entrance, you can hear it wailing across. Penelope pulls her jacket tighter around her. I didn't realize it got so cold. When there's no sun, there's nothing else. And Tissa, without focusing, you can feel it. The gravitational pull of a deity. It's hazy and imprecise, as if scattered in a hundred directions, like light hitting a snowfield. But you can feel it nonetheless. But he's here, and the Emperor's here, but can, can you all feel it too? I don't feel good. Gideon nods and shudders visibly. You're right. I... I thought if I got here, I'd know what to do. Then let's go. I, I, I want to go outside anyway. 
Can, can we go outside? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we need. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I'm not one to spit on hospitality, but I don't think our host is expecting guests, so maybe we should just leave him alone. Yeah. The banner curtain flaps audibly and is shoves itself against your faces as you walk through it. The force of the mountain winds. It is less cold out than it was underground. In no small part, because there are trees here. You've somehow made it across the desert from beneath, or at the very least, made it partway to the jungle. And you are standing on a high plateau, emerging from a door carved into solid rock, adorned on either side with torches that are not lit right now, thank goodness. And you can look out over the world. You can see the desert, the way it shines as the sun declines over the sand. And in the opposite direction, you see a great black lava flow in the dense green of the jungle. And in yet another direction, you see a river, a live river, mind you, like the kind that took the Westbreaker up to Capian. It may even be the same one. Tissa knows, in fact, that it is the same one. But this plateau has the feeling of an arena. It is round and broad and flat and open. And at the far end of the space, from where you emerge, there is a recess, a crater in the ground. And if you look down, you will see that the same worn path that had taken little gentle scuffs out of the stairs continues up to this crater. And it is lined with statues. Ancient statues. It is hard to tell what they might have been once. Fearsome figures. Serpentine figures. Dragons, perhaps? It's believable. Many of them draped in golden cloth. And there is a figure crouched near the crater. A figure of impossible height. Crouching, and you can tell because you can see the way the knees poke out of the silhouette, might be taller than any of you. It is draped in brilliant red and gold. Behind it, there is a creature, what looks to be an enormous horse, headless, mostly necklace, tall and graceful, with a saddle. And those same golden cloths adorning it. And the figure looks up. And you see a, from a distance, a mostly human-looking face. Adorned with an elaborate crown. The details of which you can't possibly see at a distance. That glitters in the sunlight. Behind you, 
than if you care to look up. There's a slightly taller plateau on which a veritable murder of crows sits. Those watching gold-masked figures hunched at the edge and staring. The figure at the end of the plateau stands, walks over to the horse and swings an enormous leg over it. And in a moment, the cloths covering this figure drape down until they look like one entity that walks with steady hoofbeats between the statues along the path that he has walked since time immemorial. The creatures descend from the plateau behind you to flank him. They don't do anything. They wouldn't dare, not without his orders, but they stand at his sides, watching. And as he approaches, more of them descend and join the retinue until there is a veritable parade. And then he stops, a little beyond spear length from the party. And his eyes are the most curious green. And he does not say anything, not yet, but watches the party appraisingly. Tissa rolls daring spirits and activates her key of destiny and gets three successes and two edges, which she can't take, and says, Because, because I needed to know. And he looks at you, Tissa, and only at you, appraisingly. And he nods, raises a hand, and all of his retainers step back politely as he, now one body, not two, slowly turns around and walks back to the crater. When he gets there, he stands between the path and the crater, but extends an arm, as if to show you what there is to see here. And Tissa's fingers are white, squeezing against her spear. And she walks forward and follows that arm. Ever suspicious, Gideon Gaius Merciful is right behind. Sword still bared. Mm-hmm. She's polite, but not that polite. And you know what the last few steps of a pilgrimage feel like, Tissa? Kind of. Your pilgrimage didn't complete with steps. But you know the feeling of being almost there. Cobb and Penelope, you know it too. The feeling that you could reach out and touch divinity in this moment. Tissa, what you see in the crater is a pile of rubble. 
a heap of white and faintly green stones in various sizes. Some basically gravel, some small boulders. They're believably pieces of the same stone, but you knew that already. And you can't dismiss this as the corpse of a god, because you can feel as you draw near that there is life in these pebbles. You hear music, calm, distant, confident music. A solo with notes that ring out and taper gracefully into silence. And you... Have you encountered a Daelith since your pilgrimage? Only this very same one. You... have... a million sensations. There is a thought of fire that crosses your mind insistently. There is an image of you mounted at the head of a great army. A peculiar image because, well, (laughs) you're not much for riding and not much for leading and certainly not much one for armies. But that image was presented to you nonetheless. And the heap seemed to notice your feelings about it. And this is not the same as when you met Hector. The connection is not as perfect. It's scattered and hazy. Modern listener would recognize it as being staticky. Tis has never seen a television. You can't blame her for that. Never heard a radio either. Never. And that's a shame when you think about it. There is an unmistakable feeling of searching. Not only of searching, because it is looking for someone. But it is also willing to create that someone. If it finds the right raw materials. And that's not you. You know that. But it is warm, and it is kind, and it is confident. There's a gentleness to it, as if to say, thank you for coming. It is a pleasure to meet you. You are not the one, but it is a pleasure to meet you. But unlike the other Daelith that you have met, this voice is fragmented and difficult to hear. The chosen emperor dismounts splits in two again and stands next to the crater crouches next to it lowers his head to the plateau and listens to it and you have seen noble demons smile this isn't the first time the lady at the river's origin seemed to be having a wonderful time with the party and the bell tower baroness of course couldn't hide her delight when presented with what she was obsessed with. But there is something almost gentle about the Chosen Emperor in this moment, which I recognize is 
deeply ironic given the many crimes he has visited upon the party. Indirectly, mind you. Never in person. He's an emperor. He doesn't do anything in person. Ah, you're right about that. What he does in person is tend this grave site and collect the pieces. And Tissa, you become aware, keenly aware, in that way that you become aware when I am trying to glibly describe the Rathmus speaking to you, that Juga is looking for a ruler. It seems to Tissa as if all of the stars above are just right there before her, as if they're closer than she's ever been to something like them in her entire life. Tiny little points of various sized light, warmer and brighter than ever. And she turns to the emperor and rolls three successes on daring spirits again. Dang. So daring. Is it you? And the emperor hesitates. I do not know. I may never know. Unless he can be restored. But you want to be. Would you believe I don't know that either? And with that, I do believe it's memory time. So I really liked when Kathleen knew what the cost of the edge success would be. (laughs) (laughs) That was just That was quite good. (laughs) That was extremely good. (laughs) I also really dig the emperor, like, when the emperor mounts the steed and becoming one organism is really neat. I like that a lot. Yay. It's cool to see the canonical Juga. Yes. Yes. Most of him. Not all of him at this point, but most of him. It's a big world-building decision there. Yeah. I liked, honestly, just being able to vanish into narration for a while. <laughs> I was really, like, part of me was, was like, okay, stay in, like, active mode. But then there was, like, part of me that's like, oh, this is such a nice story time. Like, <laughs> sometimes I, like, just... Entering a narration fugue. <laughs> like, well, it's like, I've been waiting for this, and I know that you've been waiting for this. Yeah. Because the seeds of Juka were planted, like, s- season one, right? Yes. The trees were there from the very, very beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The first hints, even in the Heroic Chord Manual, actually... That was the first one, yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, 
Uh, listener, at one point in the manual, it says eight Daleths and not seven. That's because there were. <laughs> and now you know what happened to number eight. Yeah, number eight got smashed. And um, all the Daleths are named after famous people from myth and history. That's why this one's all about fire. That's exactly why this <laughs> one's all about fire. Watch me write a class for this that involves trolling Amanda Death and then trolling his funeral. <laughs> I am a nerd, listener. And listener, if you are a nerd. And you get all these references. Yeah, if you get all these references, please. Nothing I love more. But either way, listener, we love hearing from you. You can get a hold of us on Twitter at Peach Garden RPGs, on our website, sortofsymphonies.com, on the Heroic Discord in our pinned tweet, or on the Be Gay Roll Dice Network Discord. Come get a hold of us. We love talking to you. And if you love our goofy references to Three Kingdoms, you can also give us a little bit of a boost over on our Patreon. And uh, we have a Ko-fi page, which you can find on our website. Absolutely. If you do not want to support us monetarily, but you still love us because we are immensely lovable, you can just drop a rating and a review. That would be great. Helps more people listen to the show and helps us find more listeners to love. Listener, we will catch you next time. It's been a pleasure, listeners. Love you. See you all next week, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. Be gay. Roll dice. An LGBTQIA actual play podcast network. Something is wrong in the city of Astoria Heights, and the only ones who can set it right are a would-be starlet, a nun with strangely prophetic dreams, and a mobster on a divine mission. They know that a rift will open up in the city, utterly destroying it. And they know this because they have lived it more than once. Fate is dead, and they're their replacements. The Last Tapestry is a D&D 5e podcast featuring an all-LGBTQ cast set in a homebrew world with a 1920s aesthetic. Find it on your favorite podcast app, or follow it on Twitter at The Last Tapestry to find out when new episodes drop. There is a chaos that lurks deep within the Far Realms. It has many faces and many names, but one rings out true above the rest. Nyarlathotep. True chaos seeks to overwhelm the world of Lochrelta, and our heroes have unwittingly set themselves on a crash collision course with destiny itself by being the one cog that does not fit into the crawling chaos's plans. Join us on Twitch at Ballad of the Seven Dice at 6.30pm Central Time every Tuesday as our brave adventurers learn the disturbing truth of chaos. And remember, dear travelers, they are always watching.